Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the LARCast. You are joined here by me, Jameson, and Russ Johnson, spanning over 2,000 miles from the frozen tundra of the north to the sunshiny south in Florida on the beach. And uh, Mm. needless to say, I'm extremely FOMO'd out right now. Um, I saw another picture of a friend on Instagram who's in Hawaii. And I was like, there's snow on the ground here and tired of this. Yeah, dude. But here we are. I'm not going to waste any more time, even though it's not really wasteful, because the thing we're going to talk about today is the thing I think we are the most excited about um, at Lark. And I'm going to start with a fun. (laughs) What's up, Eli? I'm going to start with a story. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, we can't have a helicopter missing pieces, buddy. No, it's, it's not good. That. Nope. Nope. It's missing this. It's missing this. It's missing that orange piece. It's missing one of the missing stuff. Okay. Well, daddy's recording right now. So if you take this out there. Can you close that door for me? And as soon as I'm done, I'll help you find your pieces. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, the joy of being a dad to a, a five-year-old and recording podcasts from home, from the home Here office. Here we go. The so, live yeah. show is actually live. That's the best part. Yep. And what's funny and kind of <laughs> ironic is we're here in, in sunny South Florida, and today is actually pretty warm. So my little dude who's wanting to wear his... Indian costume because he loves watching and learning everything right now about the Seminole Indians where we live. <laughs> Doesn't want to go outside. Wants to play with Legos inside. It's too hot. <laughs> yep. So, anyways, all that said, yes, back to the topic at hand, something we are most passionate about. Um, and that's man, the the cross of Christ. That's yeah. We, why does it's it everything? It's everything. So I was, uh, I was under the hood of my car the other day and I'm like a wannabe mechanic who's learning a lot of things partially by necessity, also by curiosity. Um, I was cleaning out my throttle body cause it gets sticky. It's an old 1999 Oldsmobile 88. All right. So this is the grocery getter, uh, ultimate. You can fit six people on the two bench seats. It's red. It's got dents everywhere. It's the best. Um, It's been pretty messed up, and I'm just trying to keep this thing running as long as I can. So I was cleaning the throttle body. I close it all back up. I go back in, and the car is just shaking when I turn it back on. So I, you know, I check the check the codes, and I've got a misfire. I'm like, what happened? The thing was fine. I just needed to to clean out the throttle body. So I go and I pull out the the spark plug, right? 
and I check it. It's not that bad. I'm like, it, it's a brand new spark plug. I did all the plugs, coils, wires like three months ago. And then I patch it all back together, put the spark plug back in and go back. And it's worse. <laughs> it's worse after I tried this. Okay. The whole car is shaking when you turn it on. So I dink around with it. I finally give up. I patch it all up because it's late. I got to take care of the kids. Come back out the next day to dig back into this. Turn it back on. Just hoping a magic thing happened overnight. It still is broken. Something's not right. Well, I get back there and I pull the plug out again because I'm like, maybe I just need to try one of my old plugs. And that's the problem. I get that old plug halfway screwed back in. And all of a sudden it dawns on me. When I just tried to put this plug in, I didn't have to pull the cable off. <laughs> mm. Meaning this whole time I've been tr trying to find why I have a misfire, not realizing I didn't plug the spark plug back in. So you got your coil that sends electricity through a wire into the spark plug. I had done everything except for reattach that wire to the spark plug. Hmm. Simple little thing that would yeah. destroy my engine if I ran it too much like that and just wouldn't drive well. This is funny because I'm a wannabe mechanic and I'm not good at this stuff. <laughs> you just got to plug the freaking wire in if you want electricity to send spark into the combustion chamber so that sucker can go and roar. This is to me what the church is like when it doesn't allow for the crucifixion of Christ to mean what it really means. If we don't go mm -hmm. down to the depths of understanding what happened when Jesus died, we may have a lot of other things kind of in the right places and it'll turn on, yeah. but it won't work. It won't drive and it won't last that way very long. It will completely go kaput. This is yeah. the spiritual life without understanding the death of Jesus. So today, here we are. We're looking at John chapter 18. Dude, that was, a, that was like a professional pastor illustration, man. <laughs> Thank you. I've been working was, on illustrations because I'm the worst at illustrations. That was, that was <laughs> well done, man. I was like following along the story, understanding all the pieces, and then poof, there it is. Hey, man, there it is. I mean, it came complete with hitting my head on the top of the hood and... Uh, dropping stuff down the engine. It was just great. Fun experience to ev to my expense. Yeah, um, man. Four-letter words going on in the garage. You better believe it. I did, yep. however, listen to that Rob Bell podcast you sent me while I was doing it just to keep my brain uh, satiated because I was mad. I couldn't figure this thing out. Yeah, man. He's a... You know, there's various things I feel like from Rob that I'm like, yeah, amen. And then other things I'm like, eh, but in regards to that one episode, man, and that just the story element of it was dude, that, that, that's a podcast that'll keep your, keep your brain working, man. And keep you calm while you're working on an engine. That's but right. All that said, bottom line, I think what you're getting to here is there's a reason why the apostle Paul said, I sought to know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. Okay. So the, the guy that people probably listen to the most, read the most, talk about the most within like just within popular modern Christendom. Okay. 
the guy that we're constantly talking or hearing about how we need to emulate and all of our strategies, right? They're all sort of flowing out of all these things that we see Paul doing. And of course, you know, you get a little Peter in there and a little, you know, some James. Um, but all that said, man, like you, you look at this and you just see this guy continuously say this, you know, Christ and him crucified, Christ and him crucified, Christ and him crucified. I sought to know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. I count everything else rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Everything, all of your principles and practices and all of the seven steps to this and three steps to that. It, they will inevitably not last as you were talking about, even like with your engine, right? You can grab onto these things and you can get a little bit of like a spiritual high and some clarity that comes, right? The confidence that, that false confidence, you could say, you know, that comes with knowledge, right? And you might be able to run at some things for a season, but if you notice like over the years, if you watch it in your life, I've seen this play out in my life in the past and many people in and around me, you, you find yourself constantly moving from one thing to the next. You're always in search of what's next. You're always in search of that next insight to get you to that next place. And it's exhausting. It's endless. And you either live in this state of pride because you constantly think you're making it happen and you're becoming something more than what you are, or you live in this perpetual state of pity because no matter how hard you try, you inevitably flunk out at, you know, at the seven to this and the three steps to that. And then you're sort of, you know, bouncing from this teaching to this teaching and this church to this church and this leader to this leader and this book to this book. And it's just never ending. But I feel like all of that, like a life of just, a, just, um, just that entire existence. Okay. All of that folly, you could say, could get swallowed up. It could all get swallowed up with a deeper understanding of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Hence, why the Apostle Paul said he counted everything else but that message as rubbish. Yep. And I think that's what this chapter in John's about, man. Yeah. When, when you hear Paul talking about forgetting everything else, forgetting everything else but Christ and him crucified, it's, it's, it's right here in one of the gospels that I think we should turn, right? Because Paul was reckoning with this story. Um, I think John may have written later than Paul, which is interesting, but still it's the testimony that the church was bearing witness to throughout those decades between Jesus dying and then the author's writing. And so Paul's saying all of this, coming to terms with it. John is too. And John wrote this a certain way. Here's the thing. This chapter in John, right? Like it goes, it goes into this really different style of narrative now. I mean, chapter 17, starting in 13, was its own section. And all of a yeah. sudden, it's like just narrative boom, boom, boom. Thing happens, thing happens, thing happens. It's not long conversations anymore. It's not theology anymore. It's just the story of the betrayal, the arrest. Uh, the crucifixion. And what I think is interesting is when you read this chapter, or if you're like me and you read this chapter, you're kind of looking for some principles, you're looking for some explanations, you're trying to find the theology in it. And all I see is story. All I see is what happens. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so what I've realized in looking at this is maybe all of what John is saying in writing this chapter, it's it's all caught up in what he's been saying, right? If If all of what John has been saying is true, and then I look at Jesus getting crucified in this chapter, and it's just the nitty gritty details, that's kind of what we'll be talking about here today is like, what what is John freighting all of these details with? What is going on here? And if you're listening to this, the day it releases, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of the Lent season, which is traditionally the time the church just sits in all of the stages moving up to the cross. We just sit in that story. And if you want to do that with Lark, just go back the last seven or eight episodes and and listen through uh, and, and end on this episode on Good Friday. That might be a fun way to do it because you're going to see that progression of what Jesus is really doing, what John is yeah. just declaring to us. So Russ, you have talked about the cross probably until you're blue in the face for a couple decades at least now. And I was thinking it'd be incredible in the context of John 18 for for all the larks to hear you hit some of these points for us, hit some of what this chapter is doing. So the first is a little more open-ended question for you, Russ. As you sat in chapter 18, just let's start here. What's hitting you? What are the things that, you know, you've read this a hundred times and beyond this time. Um, what's John 18 doing, provoking, um, saying? Um, this is going to sound, I don't know, it could sound simple in some ways, and hopefully it does. But I find myself um, always going back to the early days when I became a believer, whenever I'm in John chapter 18. Because it was, for me, the hardest thing to grab onto, the hardest thing to understand. It did not compute at all, man, with my paradigm, okay? So long story short, my background would be, uh, you know, simple family man, South Florida, right? East of Tampa, primary, you know, blue-collar neighborhood. Mom and dad worked hard, right? They were gone, you know, during the day. Right. Um, so summers, right. I would spend with my brothers at home, you know, running the neighborhood, man, catching fish, you know, doing, doing whatever. And for some reason, and the culture that I grew up in, uh, respect was King. Okay. Respect was like, God, it was Lord, man. Of You could say of like the culture that I lived in, what you drove, how much money you had, um, how, you know, how great you were on the football field, man. You know what I mean? They're all, you know, all, what, what girls or guys, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, everything, like all those things just sort of failed in comparison to how tough you were, okay? And how much respect you could garner, man, from other people in regards to that. So at a very young age, that was like a trajectory of my life. And that led to a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble and getting kicked out of a lot of schools and you know what I'm saying um, down the line. Becoming a believer through a friend on a freight dock, man, as a young 19-year-old dude, almost 20, 
girlfriend at home is now my wife, Krista, right? Of You know, this coming up on 25 years of marriage, we're expecting our first, okay? I'm doing everything I can, man, to figure out bills and, you know, make ends meet. Meaning this guy, man, who was the poster child of everything that I thought was, you know, what it meant to be a man. Meeting this guy who looked, that that part, played that part, had the backstory of that part, okay? Would walk into a room and everyone would stand up straight. Watching him practice humility in a way that I've never seen in my life. Okay. When confronted in a situation and offering forgiveness. Okay. Instead of a fist. Blew my mind, dude. Like that's, that's what led to me literally entering in a conversation with him, talking with him and eventually being discipled by him and coming to know Jesus. And I just always wrestled man with this chapter in John 18. I found myself very in tune with Peter very much in tune with, I'm not just taking off this dude's head. I'm taking off all the heads, man. Mm -hmm. And this is what's good. This is what should be in the world. This is what's right. I mean, how dare they come and arrest Jesus? He's broken not one single law. And it took me a good while, man, to, I feel like grab onto the fact that Jesus's mission the, which he's been saying from the beginning of his ministry was the cross, man. His mission was not to come and teach us how to be better. His mission wasn't to bring reform, man. His, his mission wasn't, uh, here's some lessons and how you can be you know, more hospitable or more patient, or here's how you can react better in a conversation with someone. Because if anything we see in Jesus, like, he seems to stir the pot in conversations, not mm-hmm. make them more peaceful. But, I, you know, I'm just so much of that early Christianity was always centered around all these principles and practices for like walking in the ways of Jesus. So we become like Jesus and all the while completely missing Jesus, missing the very thing that Jesus has invited us into. But most of all, I felt like missing this mission was I'm going to die. I'm I'm going to give my life as a ransom, as I've told you, for the world. I'm going to lay it down. Mm-hmm. And we can get into all the nuances of why that is. But that for me, dude, whenever I go to John chapter 18, that that struggle, man, with uh, you know, what what Luther referred to as as, you know, left-handed power, right? In a right-handed power world. We love swift acts of power. We love people who can come in, kick butt, take names, right? Remove the enemy, remove the obstacle, climb the hill. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is this is what we understand. This is what we get. And we've quoted Capen a lot, and I love this, but he says we love it. It's Think of right-handed power like um, removing the dust on a shelf with a cloth to removing your enemy with a 45. Swift, clean acts of power are what we understand. What we don't understand is left-handed power, this paradoxical power. This giving up, laying down, and in so doing, achieve something that you never could achieve with right-handed power. And dude, it it took me a good long while, man, to understand that. I kept seeing Jesus going to the cross. as like, yeah, it's like this act that's kind of needed. But Peter was probably right in his trying to stop it. And we damn for sure should be 
following Peter's lead and how we proceed in the world. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that crossing's done now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, that's just where my head always goes, man, is, is to that point where I can realize where I struggle with the laying down, but then also finding myself rejoicing in that the understanding that apart from this, there's no us ultimately seeing what the father's actually like mm-hmm. so that we could actually live in dependence on him the way Jesus did. Yep. Which technically is the only thing you and I can actually do that he did. Yep. And that's the part I think I probably rejoice in the most, man. When I, when you start to see this center point of his life from my life. Yeah. His resurrection, my resurrection. Yeah. When you, Pay attention to the characters and what they're doing in this chapter, which is what you should do when you're reading a story, right? Is like not just read it and be super passive, but actually like enter into the story, uh, feel yeah. what the author is trying to show you. Well, when you do that, <clears throat> you see you've got right, like you mentioned, Peter, he's he's ready to fight. Mm-hmm. Judas is got his own agenda that no one really understands but he's trying to get something done you have this cohort like armed right i don't and i don't remember how many people they said it is but it was a lot they're coming after one dude and a ragtag group of disciples who are they're probably brawny big dudes but there's not very many of them and they're definitely not trained for the military except for the zealot guy um yeah so they're showing up trying to get their thing done you and you go through the whole chapter and everybody's like there's someone who's betraying someone who's denying somebody who's accusing and questioning somebody punches Jesus in the face you've got Pilate scape trying to scapegoat this whole thing he's like i don't want to deal with like this this is a a scandal waiting to happen and so he's yep. trying to figure out how he can get out of this clean and he's like this Jesus guy's innocent so I'm damned if I kill him and I'm damned if I don't, because the Jews are going to make sure that C- like that Caesar finds out that I'm not his friend, <laughs> that I, this yep. guy who claims to be king, I'm like not dealing with, right? All the while, Jesus isn't defensive. He doesn't blame anybody. He's been deserted, but he's defending his people in the, in the exact moment, right? Like yeah. the, the cohort shows up and Jesus is like, it's me you're looking for. These fellas, let them go. Yep. And they run. <laughs> and it's just the the character juxtaposition is right in front of our face. He's settled. Jesus is just there. He's not trying to get anything done because he knows what they're going to get done. He knows that that is the thing where yeah. he... He's letting this process play itself out because it's the only way to actually show them what God is really like. Yep. This is it. Jesus and John 19, the lamb just willingly slaughter is ahead. We'll talk about that in, in the next episode, most specifically, but he's, he's just going, he's being led there. Yeah. It's like I said, man, just coming from a culture that uh, that prides itself on standing your ground and achieving what's in front of you. 
making it happen. Pull the bootstraps up, mm-hmm. right? Put your head down. Stop whining. Get something done. Just, I, I don't know, man, just grappling between that and just as everything you just laid out, Jesus's entire position within this is willingness to love everybody that's in front of him and willingly go to this place, man, on behalf of a world that's doing everything it can to bypass him. I mean, they're, they're not interested in a, a Messiah who's coming to give his life for the world. They're interested in a Messiah who will make them kings in the world. Yeah. Right? There's there's a very big difference in that. And yet still for them and for those who oppose him, for those who are rebuking him, for those who are arresting him, for those who are doing the plotting, for those who ran, he's willingly going to do exactly what he said he would do, to give his life as a ransom for the world, to set the captives free. His word. Yeah. Yep. That, okay, so his words. Let's press in more on that, Russ, because John 19 kind of seems to bring a lot of themes together in John. There's a lot of things John has shown us, has quoted Jesus saying, and just by story has kind of pointed to. And you have this moment here where Pilate's talking with Jesus, right? He's trying to search Mm -hmm. out his way out of this. And he's he's honest. It seems like he's trying to get Jesus free. He's trying to set him free because he's like, this dude's clean. Yep. He says, well, what have you done? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And I was born to bear witness to the truth. And so if you're reading this chapter, I think it's really great to, to ask the question, okay, John's probably loaded that phrase for the whole book leading up to this. So I'm wondering what are some of the things that John's referring to here? Like mm-hmm. I was born to bear witness to the truth. What is that? Yeah, I think it's the the truth. Well, the truth is is him, right? I mean, he is truth. He's the embodiment of all that is true, walking around in flesh. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the the truth in regards to like the declaration of who God is and what God is like and what God is doing in the world. And he's there to bear witness to this reality. And I think he's been doing this from the beginning. But as we can see throughout, as we've already been you know, walking through for a number of episodes through the book of John, you just see it play out one step at a time, right? With every encounter, the religious nature, right, that's in us is at war with this freedom that Jesus is declaring to this truth that he is bearing witness to, that there's a God who's always been present. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's always been for all people. He made us, he created us to dwell, right? Well, first of all, he created us in his image, as scriptures say, right? (laughs) To live forever within this perfect fellowship of the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. There's this beautiful dependence that we find within the Trinity, so naturally, that dependence is life. To be, to be dependent is to be human, right? And to welcome that dependence, to see what he's like, and to live into that dependence, well, that's freedom, man. And I think he's been bearing witness to what the Father's actually like and what he's there to do. 
and I feel like we have to we have to put a period at the end of that. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Yep. <laughs> there you go. And that's been a hard one for me, man. I'm not going to lie to you, dude. That one has Same. been hard for me. It still is. I was on the phone yesterday for an hour and a half with my younger brother. Okay. We have a good relationship. Always have. Um, he's a really, really smart dude. Very caring. Um, he well-educated. And so, and I love like sometimes how he can just really ask good questions to get to the practical. I think he's actually better at it than he thinks he is. Um, and so I just called him yesterday, like, man, I'm still sorting through a lot of things in regards to Lark, right? There's, we're always learning and seeing, right? Good news in relation to a real world outside, especially a world that's uninterested in church. And so we're constantly evolving, you know what I mean? Like in approaches, not in belief, but in approaches and direction. And, and so I'm on this you know, phone with him yesterday and, and we're talking through this and he's like, man, one of the things Russ, you've always shown me is that, you know, that Jesus is, is always bearing witness to the truth that Jesus came to do this, that Jesus is showing us what God is like. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, then isn't that it? Isn't that it? I mean, isn't, isn't that like, there's nothing else, is there? And I'm like, yeah, man. He goes, it seems like our problem then and today is we just don't understand what God is actually like. And so we have a real hard time even grabbing onto words like faith and freedom, right? And family and grace, because we bring all these nuanced ideas into the equation instead of letting what Jesus is bearing witness to actually determine what we think about these things. So clarity in a sense, you know, for what it is, is all there is. We all need to really understand what our dad is like and stop trying to look past him. Okay. Because when we're trying to look past him to go and achieve life on our own, we're just constantly making issues everywhere we go. I think that's why he said, I've come to bear witness mm -hmm. and I've come to give my life as a ransom. Let's put a period at the end of that. And I'm like, damn, dude, nothing like your younger brother, right? Who, <laughs> who I mean, I started discipling him, even like baptizing him, you know what I'm saying? When he was a senior in high school, he was a, like one of the first members of a youth ministry that I did way back in the day. And here I am on the phone, like, golly, being reminded of this because I want to add to that. I want to bring a thousand to do's, right? They keep us all in wow and wonder and, moving forward instead of just constantly learning to see who he is and what he's revealed. And I think we don't realize that in trying to look past that or look through it or find something more or keep it a comma with a whole bunch of more prepositional phrases, like, yeah, those are all actually rejections. They're not even just adding to it. They are a rejection of what God is being revealed as. Great point. And that is part of what John's showing us. John's like showing, he's, he's saying Jesus is dead set on revealing the Father to you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not just to you. This is why they can't handle it in you. <laughs> Jesus is revealing the father in you. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and we, and they in the story are like, no, no, 
<clears throat> it's not clean enough in here. <laughs> or I've really got some time left before that's going to be something I'm comfortable with <laughs> acknowledging or theologizing about even. Like we reject what God is like. And you see at the very beginning of John, Jesus sets that as the stage, right? Because John's like, hey, the one who everyone came into existence through showed up and got rejected by his own people. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, that's like John's closing that loop here in the story. He's like, Jesus oh. is still slowly one foot in front of the other moving toward reconcilia reconciliation with us. He's reconciling yeah. us to himself as we're rejecting him. And both of those get more and more intense. The reconciliation's getting more yeah. true and the rejection's getting more true. And it's like the moment the kaboom is about to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree because when you think about it for like the religious crowd, like, you know, like we were just, like you were just saying, like Jesus is revealing to them what the father is like, but also revealing that the father is already in them. That this idea of you somehow living independent of God, who is maker, creator, and sustainer of all things. The one that Paul referred to when he was talking to a group of people who didn't even believe yet in Acts 17, for even you right now, find your very being in existence in him. Okay. When he's revealing this to them, like you said, one, they're having issue with it because of their just misunderstanding of the law and right holiness, right? Righteousness, who God is, what he's doing. But I think they're also having a real hard time with this because if that's true of them, then that means it's also true of all these people around Jesus who've been coming to him that they feel like are the thems in the world, the those in the world, <laughs> right? Yeah. When you think about it, like that's kind of how everything in a sense really works, whether it's like the church world or the political world or in business or education, there always, there seems to be this cyclical movement of there's the, we all have a them. We all have this category of the thems that are the problem. And then you can, from there, you can sort of work through like what creators do and what leaders do and what the members do and how they all sort of feed off each other's, you know, insecurities to make all the institutions in society work. Right. But then the thing that keeps them all together, sadly, is the thems over there. Like yes. if you remove them, then they would no longer have connection with each other. So their whole ideology and identity falls apart. Yep. And I think that's what's happening to them because they're, they're, they're hearing that Jesus isn't just revealing what the father is like to the prostitute and to the tax collector. Okay. To the poor and to the rich. Right. He's, he's revealing the father's already in them, bro. Like you said, the rejection. Okay. Is increasing at a rapid rate. Because it's now butting up to the very moment where Jesus is going to reconcile all things. Everything. Man. Finished. <laughs> Done. Single-handedly. A one-way yeah. love you can't escape. You can yep. undo. Believe it or not, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And dude, that is... Now, now you got Pilate who's gotten dragged into this, right? Because he's like, man, I got... <laughs> This guy's not saying Caesar's Lord. I got to put an end to this. But at the same time, he's innocent. <laughs> he's done mm -hmm. nothing wrong. Yep. And it's like, oh, so this is what religion does. This is it. And I think that's the point here.
religion yeah go ahead religion is religion is what has something to say against the innocent yep and that's that should that should stop a lot of us in our tracks and be like wait a second (laughs) like jesus didn't try to convert Pilate. why yep jesus didn't preach a sermon to the cohort that came to arrest him why Jesus didn't defend himself when they were spewing lies about him. Why? Because he's not worried (laughs) about the outcome of their destroyed and demolished religion. He's not worried about the outcome of their unfaith or their inability to see what God is really like in this moment because he's reckoning with it right now. He's not worried about that. And I think as you listeners think about this chapter, I hope that the image in your mind of Jesus trying to make an angry God okay starts to fade away because that's not what's happening here. You just don't see it. It's not in the picture. It's not in the language. Jesus isn't dealing with a pissed off God, he's dealing with a pissed off creation and he's submitting to their religious demands right here, just completely open-handedly. That is a shift of tectonic magnitude uh, in, in the Christian life, in reading scripture, in church, whatever, whatever it is, It's, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, dude, the 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 popular perception, man, that has fueled our imaginations and in a lot of ways, almost in every way, destroyed our imagination for what really is. Is this idea of a bloodthirsty, angry God that Jesus is trying to appease on our behalf. Yep. And what we're not even seeing as you but when like you said, but when you go back into the text and let it say what it's saying you start to see why Paul was so adamant about the foolishness of the cross and how it is the only antidote for a world that longs for wisdom. I saw to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. Because everything you think is needed and everything you're trying to accomplish in the name of whatever religious practice, and of course, as you and I both know, religion can get played out in how you try to achieve your enoughness. Think of it like your guilt management system. It can be aimed at anything you want from the, from your hobbies to politics, to your idea of God. It it doesn't matter, but humanity, okay. At its core is drowning under the endless weight of this religion. And the only place it ever leads to is crucifying God himself yeah. When he shows up to show you what life actually is. Yep. He submits himself to that so that he can reckon with it on our behalf, bro. I mean, that alone right there, <laughs> I could stop and not even podcast again for six months. Yeah. Just thinking on my own about that freaking statement. It's re- unreal. <laughs> yeah. It's that mind blowing. Yep. It's that damn good, dude. That's Amen a for it. that's a really good spot to to hang up this episode, and because uh, we got a lot more to talk about in chapter nineteen, and this 
this stuff, I really want to let this stuff sit. Let it sit on you. <laughs> it's sitting on us. We can't get under it, out from under yeah. it. So, um, yeah, man. man, cheers to good news, Russ. Yeah, dude. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.